HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. Ever heard of a popcorn-driven robot? This week on Meet and 3, we're bringing you stories about the intersection of food and tech. We're interested in building swarms of many cheap, small robots and powering them and driving them forward with as little effort and as little energy as possible. We cover tech by land. Imagine if you could cut fresh microgreens onto your salad and eat it while the greens are still fresh and nutritious and delicious and alive. That dream is real. We cover tech by sea. We're building software-based business services to help shellfish growers uh, manage and grow their business. And we cover tech in the social media stratosphere. So it's not really necessarily an indictment on food media or, or media consumption at all. It's really, it's, it's how the robots decided that they were going to weight human interaction. Tune in and get techie this week on Meet and 3. Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. to Eating Matters, where we talk about food policy and how it impacts all of us. I'm your host, Jenna Liute, and we're broadcasting live from Roberta's on Heritage Radio Network. In recent weeks, the Nova Dia Group, an Austin-based company that processes about 40% of SNAP transactions at farmers markets nationwide, said it will end its service by July 31st, leaving a big gap in the, in the ability for farmers markets to serve low-income customers. Joining me to dig into what exactly happened and the repercussion of Nova Dia's decision is Leah Douglas, associate editor and staff writer at the Food and Environment Reporting Network, who has covered this issue extensively, and Cheryl Hubert, Green Market Assistant Director at Grow NYC, a nonprofit that oversees a network of farmers markets throughout New York City that are affected by this development. Leah and Cheryl, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jenna. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Okay. All right. Leah, I want to kick it off with you. Um, and Cheryl, feel free to jump in. Um, but I want to just start to really lay the groundwork with those who aren't involved with the SNAP program on a daily basis. Can you give us an overview of what this program looks like in terms of the number of people enrolled, um, you know, how big the program is, how much aid do people typically receive as a recipient? Sure. So uh, in 2017, there were a little over 42 million people participating in the SNAP program, and the average benefits per person uh, were around $125 um, each month. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways that that money is being spent is at farmers markets. There have been a lot of programs that have arisen in the past 10 years to allow participants in the SNAP program to use their benefits at farmers markets for fresh fruits and vegetables. So that's sort of the scope of the aspect of the SNAP program that um, I've been focusing on in my reporting recently. And do you know how, how long are people usually enrolled in the program for? Leah? Uh, I don't have that information in front of me. But it's a pretty short amount of time, right? It's, um, they, they can only be on for three months in a three-year period without working. And that gets at one of the, the myths of the SNAP program is that, you know, it's helping people who are unemployed and, you know, it doesn't incentivize work. But in right. fact, you can only be on the program for three months unless you're working. Okay. Okay. So, um... So that's, that's really helpful. And then, you know, Cheryl, can we, we talk about kind of like EBT and that's like the crux of this whole, um, you know, this whole issue, electronic benefits transfer cards. So can you tell us when they were first introduced and how this kind of this process generally works? Um, like, yeah, I mean, at grocery sure. stores and, and farmer's markets. Yeah, sure. Um, the EBT card was uh, a big effort by the USDA, I think, to really modernize the SNAP program and also to address, you know, people's fears about fraud. Um, before that, everyone I think is familiar with the paper food stamp program where mm -hmm. <clears throat> people were given, um, pieces of paper basically to use instead of cash, um, to purchase food. And it was sort of, um, introduced at different rates across the United States, but in New York, we got the EBT cards in 2001. Okay. And before that, um, many of our individual farmers accepted food stamps um, directly at their stand. And one of the concerns was that with the new EBT card, um, that would leave this gap in farmers markets because, you know, back then in the early 2000s, wireless technology wasn't great. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and there didn't seem to be um, an easy way to help people be able to use their EBT cards. Right, because I imagine it's a pain for the farmers to... Right. The farmers maybe didn't want to invest in like individual terminals right. that maybe weren't going to work. Yeah. Um, so it took us a few years to figure it out. But really in 2005 um, at our, you know, back then, I, I think we were still around 50 or so green markets. Um, and we have, and how big the pro is the program now? Your Today program. we have yeah. fifty. You have fifty. Um, okay. Markets. Yeah. yeah, green markets around That's the city. A lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're like a lot. <laughs> so um, we, you know, we sort of tested a few ways and kind of thought through different strategies of how to be able to address this. And what we ended up coming to is, um, 
you know, every one of our farmers markets has an information tent Mm -hmm. and we decided that we would kind of be the middle, the middle man or the middle person um, between the customer and the farmers. So the way that it worked starting in 2005 and the way it still works today is that customers come directly to the market manager's stand, which is labeled with a you know big Grow NYC logo mm-hmm. on the tent. Um, they can come to the stand and they swipe their card. We have um, today we use iPads, so we have a little plug-in swiper. The customer swipes their card, um, puts in their PIN number, and tells us how much they want. Um, and then we provide. Um, the exchange in tokens. Okay. So we have $5 tokens and $1 tokens. So mm-hmm. they can get basically any amount um, and they can spend those throughout the market at uh, any of our stands that accept, that are, you know, SNAP eligible. So not like alcohol. Right, exactly. Yeah, not wine and cut or, flowers. Yeah, yeah. That's, those are basically the two exceptions. Two of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the other wonderful thing, I'll just give this um, additional plug um when you use your ebt card at a farmer's market you get an additional two dollar health buck that's good for fruits and vegetables Um, and that's for every five dollars that you spend in ebt so that's an incentive program an example of an incentive program um that leah was talking about you know are one of the ways that the government and and organizations has worked to encourage use of farmers markets exactly yeah and it's really wonderful in new york the program's been going on for about 10 years um, and it's funded by um, mostly by the New York City government, you know, through the Department of Health. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just been a tremendous incentive and, and great way to get people out and um, shopping at farmers markets and putting that money back into the local economy. And just, okay, so then, so the farmers get the, just to really walk through this process, farmers mm-hmm. get the tokens and then they redeem them from you at the end of the day? Yeah, at the end of like the cash. day, our market, actually our market manager um, walks around, counts tokens, the farmers sign off on the amount and we, um, you know, we already have a financial relationship with our farmers because Mm -hmm. um, we charge them for space. Um, They redeem both um, EBT tokens as well as debit and credit tokens with us. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, so at the end of the month, we kind of reconcile and often we're paying the farmers because they do really well with SNAP and debit and credit. Right. Okay. So it's an important income stream for them. Absolutely. Also. And then do all farmers markets accept states and all, or all accept SNAP in all states? Or is this something that's state specific or market Um, operator specific? It's mostly market operator specific. Um, Many, many markets now that, you know, when they have the capacity, um, I think it's, it's of real interest because it is such an important income stream for farmers. And, you know, for many farmers markets across the country, food access is an important component of their mission. So I think, you know, in general markets want to be able to accept SNAP. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think the exceptions are there are a lot of kind of volunteer run markets around the country um, where they just may not have really the capacity to be able to do that. Right. But a lot of individual farmers will still kind of sign up to be um, SNAP uh, authorized so that they can accept it on right. their own. Oh, okay. Directly, yeah. Um, and then how much money roughly is spent at farmers markets in, in New York City with SNAP benefits? Um, I can give the number for Green Market, which is about $1.1 million that we've done, um, that we did last year. Okay. Um, in SNAP. And so it is a really important income stream yeah. for farmers. And then I just to give a, a sense of scope, is that do you have like half of the farmers markets in New York City? Do you represent we have about a, Sorry, we have about a third. Okay. Um, so we run 50 and there's about, I think, 160 or so in the city. Okay. All right. Um, but we do most of the SNAP um, at markets. So there's about 
I think the number for New York State is 2.7 million for um, farmers markets across the state mm-hmm. in SNAP, and we do 1.1, so we're you know just a little um, better than a third of those sales. Okay, all right. Now, uh, Leah, I want to turn back to you and just ha- to get a sense of how this. So that was a great overview in terms of like on the ground market perspective, how it works with EBT. Um, Leah, at the federal level, what does this look like? You know, what is the program that oversees the SNAP benefit redemption and processing uh, actions? Sure. So uh, you, the Department of Agriculture is a federal agency that oversees SNAP programs of all kinds. And so uh, they're also responsible for managing SNAP at farmers markets. And um, in recent years, there was sort of an issue that arose as more markets were interested in using um, and accepting SNAP benefits that mm-hmm. many farmers markets didn't have access to equipment that was wireless, which we sort of started to touch on. But a lot of SNAP equipment or EBT processing machines were just sort of traditional credit card machines that needed a hookup, you know, and sort of a retail or made for a retail establishment, brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. And so USDA started a program in 2012 um, to help markets enhance their ability to accept SNAP by offering free um, EBT equipment that was wireless so that farmers markets could use iPads and, and other um, pieces of equipment to process SNAP um, out in parking lots, fields, typical sort of farmer's market locations. Okay. And then who is, uh, is this program subsidized? You know, like how much money does this cost the government or financially speaking, who kind of absorbs the costs for the provision of these machines and, and accessibility? It's a USDA program. So it is funded by USDA. Okay. Um, but then there is a private company basically that that comes into place and that kind of leads us to what happened this recent this recent situation so Cheryl can you just walk us through like why we're here today right like what (laughs) happened I am very confused like there's there's an issue with the software that processes the transactions can you just break it down (laughs) sure um I'll try to just give kind of the start of the story so um we found out in early July that Novadia Group Um, was going out of business. And Novadia Group is um, the company that developed an app that can be used on um, an iPad or an iPhone to um, swipe someone's benefit card to run a Snap transaction. Mm -hmm. It is the software that has been chosen by about 40% of market operators around the country, as well as direct marketing farmers, um, to run their own Snap transactions. So they have about 1,700 clients that they've been working with. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's over the last five years or so. Um, So when they told us they were going out of business, um, we know, we knew already that they were the only provider of a, um, an app that can run on a smartphone. So it basically renders all of the equipment that USDA has purchased for many of us useless because, um, for a lot of market operators, that was their platform. So they, you know, these iPads obviously cost, um, a decent amount of money for a, a small organization, a nonprofit that's running farmers markets. Mm-hmm. And um, this news essentially put everyone, gave everyone less than 30 days notice that they were going to have to figure out a new solution for how to continue to accept snap at markets and not turn away customers. Okay. Well, I mean, th- this seems like a finance, like an unpopular decision. Um, <laughs> What is the like? Why like like Leah? Can you can you just 
tell us more about why, you know, how, why this happened basically? Like, was there some sort of, um, and, and, and who were the players that kind of stepped in? Sure. So this um, event in early July of Novodia Group announcing that they would shut down coincided with USDA changing the contractor for their free EBT processing equipment program, which we just talked about. Mm-hmm. And um, that uh, had formerly, the contracts had been given to the Farmers Market Coalition, which is a national farmers market advocacy group. And so basically that uh, that organization was responsible for distributing the free equipment and, and helping markets sort of get their SNAP programs up and running. Mm-hmm. USDA reallocated that contract, rebid the contract over the last six to eight months and decided to go with a different contractor called Financial Transaction Management. And Financial Transaction Management decided to not work with Novodia Group as their software provider and that they would instead switch to a different software provider. And so Novodia Group said that among other aspects of sort of the slim margins of working in this space and other constraints, that the tipping point, quote unquote, was the decision of USDA to shift to this new contractor that was no longer going to work with Novodia Group. And so that was sort of the the catalyst to then this announcement that they would be shutting down. And uh, pretty quickly, within a week or so, um, a nonprofit uh, stepped in to say that they would fund Novodia Group's operations for another 30 days, uh, the National Association of Farmers Market Nutrition Programs, so that markets would have a little bit more time to figure out a more permanent solution and then uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, Governor Cuomo of New York announced that there was a new solution being implemented in New York State to help um, Nobodia Group's operations continue in New York State through the end of the farmer's market season. And yeah. specifics about that, uh, I haven't seen any specifics. That was just announced Friday. So, yeah. um, so there have been a couple next steps announced. Yeah, we're, and we're going to talk about next steps in, in a little bit. But like, wh- I mean, I, wh- I mean, why? It seems like this decision was fairly hasty coming out of the administration. Do you have any insight as to, you know, more of the reason why they decided to switch contractors? Was it, you know, not working? Did they get a better deal? I mean, it just seems very kind of opaque, the decision making process on this one. USDA was not particularly uh, forthcoming about um, giving in-depth answers, although they did say when we asked, um, for more insight, that um, financial transaction management, the new contractor, provided the best con- the right. best bid, the best offer on the contract. And so that's why USDA opted to go with them. Uh, there's also um, another piece of insight is that the, the person who runs financial transaction management, um, I believe, was formerly employed by the new uh, First Data Processing, which is the alternative software provider that um, we'll, we'll now be replacing um, the services of Novodia Group if the contract continues as planned. Ah, that's <laughs> definitely got to be a, a coincidence. Just kidding. Um, no, no comment. Yeah, no comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so this just to be clear, this only affects forty percent of of farmers markets, right, Cheryl? So why? I mean, it could you just switch? Software platforms? I mean, this is a big deal. Um, You know, especially in the early days of July when we did not know what was going to happen. Um, The, um, you know, the natural solution, I think, to many of us is, you know, as I said, we started out in 2001 trying to figure out a way to make um, 
SNAP customers still be able to accept to access the farmers market mm -hmm. even with this upgrade and you know switching over to the EBT cards. So we've been investing for now about two decades in getting the best technology we can, keeping up with you know the current um, trends and mm -hmm. being able to be modern and all yeah. of these things that you know it's a struggle for farmers markets and. Um, you know, as nonprofits and, you know, largely reliant on volunteers in a lot of the country. Um, so, you know, we've gotten to this point where we do feel like we're using the best technology that's available. It's an app. It doesn't, you know, break down. Right. It, it runs great on the wireless and cellular systems that we have now. Um, you know, we're, we're up with the infrastructure in terms of, you know, what's available digitally and, and data wise. So um, at Grow NYC, we have, you know, a professional staff that's really, you know, able to implement this um, technology at market. We can come back, we can look up um, transactions really easily, we can access all kinds of data through um, the web that, you know, we never would have had access to before, mm -hmm. um, just in terms of like, knowing how your business is doing, you right. know, being able to really see market by market, um, how the transactions are going and, and where we're doing well and where we need to do more outreach and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a big plus for us. Um, and it just, it doesn't make sense to go back. Basically, we've, you know, the only alternative because nobody else has developed um, a platform like this. Um, the alternative is to go back to the old kind of um, standalone swipers that we used to okay. use like, you know, five or six years ago Yeah, that were not as great in bad weather that, you know, didn't... Were very problem other problematic. Yeah, they just weren't as, as you know, abil able to kind of um, work on the digital kind of... Where we are now. Infrastructure like, yeah. that we have, yeah. Okay, so it's taking a giant step backward and let alone all the money and time that you invested yeah. and it is less effective in terms of how you measure and monitor and, and all of those good things that we value. Right, and yeah. that USDA invested too. I mean, it seems like a, a real waste of money on the part of yeah. USDA because, you know, they they should be... It's incumbent on them to be, you know, um, trying to create the most effective and efficient ways of administering SNAP across the country in, in all outlets. So yeah. it doesn't seem that this makes sense. And then and then from a repercussions perspective for New York City, how many customers and, you know, how much money would this effect that is spent at farmers markets approximately? Um, yeah. So again, I think it's for Grow NYC, it's $1.1 million NYC, dollars, yeah. yeah, that, that are spent at farmers markets. Um, the, you know, we would go back to the old technology if we were forced to, because we are not going to turn away a yeah. customer who's coming to the market with their EBT card. <clears throat> and how many um, customers rely on it? Um, last year we saw about 60,000 customers who used SNAP. And okay. the amazing thing is our Union Square market, um, does about a third of our SNAP sales citywide, wow. which is really incredible. And we love, you know, we love that that market, it's, it's our flagship market. Um, it's huge. It's really yeah. big. It's, um, it's also like a great transportation hub, but I think it shows also that people will travel to the market, mm -hmm. um, you know, from other neighborhoods because of the variety and it's just a really wonderful, special place. Um, okay, so Leah, in terms of um, you know repercussions nationwide, can you give us a sense of the numbers, uh, you know, number of people who would be affected, um, and also, you know, separately, you talk about the number of incentive programs which we touched on that will be jeopardized, and I, I would love it if you can tell us kind of about some of those programs and you know what specifically and how will they be at risk. So I just threw a sure. lot of a lot so of questions at you. 
Um, well, yeah, just for a quick national perspective, I believe the SNAP benefits redeemed at farmers markets nationally are just over $22 million in 2017. Um, and that's a pretty big jump from it was around $16 million in 2012. So the programs um, have been growing really quickly. Um, and I think in a lot of states, people are seeing really high retention rates among participants in SNAP programs, especially the, the incentive programs that folks come back week to week and year to year. And those incentive programs vary. They can be double up, quote unquote, bucks where um, participants in SNAP get double whatever they're spending through EBT and redemption at the market. Um, there can also be other benefits where um, some cities just have um, cash benefits that are distributed to SNAP participants when they shop at farmers markets. So those all those programs um, would also be compromised because if markets were no longer able to accept SNAP, then those um, USDA programs and, and state incentive programs would also be compromised. And, okay, so it's a big hit. Um, and undoing a lot of work, it seems like, that we as a government, both in New York City and federally, have, have done to encourage the consumption of healthier fresh fruits and vegetables, especially for a community that is disproportionately affected by obesity and diet-related diseases. Is that, is that kind of summarize? Yeah, yes. And it's also worth noting that, you know, for what it's worth, these programs are very popular, um, both, you know, in the states and obviously in communities that they serve, but also on the Hill. And, you know, from a D.C. perspective, both congressional Republicans and Democrats have really supported these incentive programs continuing um, as part of the Farm Bill, which is how they're funded. And so right now, when there's sort of national debate around the Farm Bill, sort of there's extra attention paid when these programs are, when there's any hint that they might be compromised, because it's one of the few aspects of the Farm Bill that actually does have bipartisan support. Yeah, which leads me to my next question, which is, I mean, we've we've talked about how the SNAP program has kind of been at risk and under fire lately, especially by Republicans and Republican proposals like, you know, increasing work requirements like the the absurd uh, <laughs> proposal earlier to transform the program earlier in the year to transform the, the program to like a blue apron sort of a model, which I mean, whatever. Um, I, I, you know, I just, I just want to know, like in your opinion, uh, Leah, is this like a, another kind of attempt for Republicans to continue to chip away at the program and bolster profits of corporations? I, there wasn't a strong indication from our reporting that there was an inherently partisan uh, decision-making process behind either the switch from um, from the Farmers Market Coalition to this new contractor or from, from Novadio Group to a different processor. One thing that I did hear in talking to sources was, you know, there is a sort of chronic issue of understaffing at USDA and that in general in the Food and Nutrition Service, which oversees SNAP programs, that you know, there there are a lot of USDA employees who are struggling, you know, to keep up with workloads and that understaffing can be seen as an extension of, you know, both policy and executive decisions to trim budgets in those departments. So while there wasn't an explicit um, partisan agenda that I could find from my reporting, there is, you can connect it to some, you know, previous policy decisions that have been made about where sort of SNAP programs fall in the hierarchy of, of USDA programs. Okay. All right. We're going to quick take a really quick commercial break and hear a word from our sponsors. Um, but don't go anywhere. Will cease to exist if I come into a party hidden wraps like this. All you 
If I come into a party hitting raps like this, all you superficial rappers will cease to exist. If I come into a party hitting raps like this, all you superficial rappers will cease to exist. If I come into a party hitting raps like this, all you Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's unique store in Lower Manhattan is home to perhaps the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Plus, the rarest natural sharpening stones and exquisitely designed tableware. They also host special events such as knife sharpening demonstrations and parties with New York's most famous chefs and restaurateurs. Corin is dedicated to this ideal bringing the implicit and elegance of Japanese culture to your table, be it in your home or in the finest restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. <laughs> Hi, I'm Moxie Rosenblum. My dad, Harry Rosenblum, hosts Feast Your Ears on Heritage Radio Network. Right now, HRN is having a summer membership drive. Becoming a member is so easy, and you'll help support shows like my dad's. You can sign up for a one-time donation or become a monthly sustaining member by visiting heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Let's keep food radio on the airwaves this summer. And we're back on Eating Matters, where today we're speaking with Cheryl Huber, uh, Assistant Director of Green Markets at Grow MIC, and Leah Douglas, Associate Editor and Staff Writer at the Food and Environment Reporting Network. Um, I want to just kind of circle back to something um, with regard to like affordability of the farmer's market, Cheryl, I think there's this common, you know, perception or misperception in New York City that farmer's markets are like, you know, these, these, this like a luxury for people who are price insensitive and, you know, Upper East Sider is looking for like beautiful breakfast radishes. Um, is this program really like really viable for, for SNAP recipients? And what are some of the like, or are, you know, are, are there additional kind of benefits for recipients to shopping at at a farmer's market, like at a green market? Uh, that's a great question, and I'm glad this came up. Um, the farmer's markets in New York City, I think one of the most important things that we can tell people is, um, you know, every farmer is setting their price. So it's really important to go around the market, see what your kind of – your choice, your choices are. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a whole range of growing practices. We have a whole range of um, size of farm, you know, which can make a big difference in the price. If the farm is a, a larger farm with higher volume, their prices may be a little bit more affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every market is different, so the farmers are, you know, changing their price based on neighborhood, based on what they think they can afford, because they're moving a volume of product, and that's really right. their goal. Um, we also love to tell people how, um, you know, the farmer's market is that, uh, absolutely the freshest option that you're going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, the food there is harvested, you know, either that morning, maybe the night before. Um, and those nutrients are staying in the products that you're getting longer because of that. 
And another thing is that um, the the flavor obviously can't be matched because yeah. the, the products that we have at the market are they're either um, they're they're not the kinds of things that are found at the supermarket where food is really bred to travel rather than bred for for taste. Mm-hmm. Um, you know things like heirloom tomatoes that are very delicate, um, a lot of fruit that's very delicate. Um, it's just so much tastier when you get it at the market because it's it's been bred for that taste rather mm-hmm. than, you know, bread to be shipped off from 1500 miles away. These talking points are very familiar for me <laughs> in my, in my role at our harvest, which is an online <laughs> farmer's market. So oh, I get it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Cheryl. <laughs> okay. Speak so the food, the yeah, see how exactly. So the food's better. Is it, is it affordable? Just, you know, absolutely. It's, and you know, a big part of the reason, well, first of all, it's, comparable to the grocery store for almost anything that's in season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the point of um, the volume of sales that we've seen for customers that are using Snap who are clearly on a budget mm-hmm. um, shows that, you know, people want to support their local farms. We want to empower people to participate in the food system that they want to be a part of as well. Yeah. And so being able to offer this, I think, is really critical. Um, And the great thing about the Health Bucks program is that it drives down the cost even more. Um, You know, if you're spending $5 on your EBT card, you get an additional $2 Health Buck for fruits and vegetables. And that's a 40% increase in your buying power. Right. Um, So that absolutely blows blows the grocery store out of the water in terms of affordability yeah um and then i mean special deals to farmers kind of help like price discriminate in a good way for for people using you know snap dollars regardless of the neighborhood so will they sell something a little bit cheaper or is it pretty much like a one you know are any sales for specific (laughs) uh you know users i wouldn't say so i mean honestly the farmers are operating at pretty slim margins as right. well. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, we want to encourage them to set the price that, that they feel, you know, their product is worth and, mm-hmm. and, and their time. what they can sell it for. Yeah, yeah. And their time, you know, they are traveling sometimes from three or four hours away, um, selling themselves. That's one of the requirements of green market is that it's a ah. producer only market. So often it's the farmer themselves, um, or their workers that are on the farm coming to travel. Uh, and it's expensive to, you know, to do business in New York city. So, right. you know, we, we encourage them to, to set the price that they feel they can, Right. You know, provide. Um, okay. All right. So, so uh, switching gears a little bit, um, Leah, you write that in your in your piece um, that this change could have a ripple effect to other food assistance programs like the Women, Infant and Children's Program um, that is quite, uh, you know, quite a big program. It's like $6 billion, I think you wrote. Um, it provides that in food assistance to new mothers and children. Can you tell us a little bit more about, like, what this effect could look like? And, by, I mean, by the way, does WIC not... A, use EBT system? Uh, I'm actually not sure. Cheryl, are you there? Yeah. Um, actually, eWIC is the new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so WIC is moving to its own debit-style card. That's Did they not, use EBT before or no? It's always been paper. Wow. That's, yeah. That's crazy to me because it's even more stringent, and I imagine, like, more of a pain to, mm-hmm. like... I don't know, just go through the whole like transactional process. Yeah. And because farmers markets, we accept only a couple of types of WIC checks. Um, so I'm not hundred percent familiar on how it's worked, but I know that it's kind of a, you know, it's sort of like a, almost a prescription, 
prescriptive mm-hmm. program where you have kind of an allotment of specific foods that you're allowed to buy with WIC. Yeah. Um, so at farmers markets, we accept the WIC um, farmers market nutrition program checks, which are four dollar checks um, provided during the height of the season. So it's usually a booklet of um, you know four dollar checks from July to November mm-hmm. or June to November that are good only at farmers markets. So we see a lot of those. Those are actually a huge um, income source for green market farmers. And so this would still affect? Yeah, so actually, well, so right. So we got a little, I went yeah. off a little. No, but no. Um, WIC is moving to an EBT card. Again, it's scaling across the country sort of um, gradually. So um, it's coming to New York in the within the next year. So it's mm-hmm. starting upstate right around now. Hmm. And then it'll be... Um, WIC will be on the EBT card or on an EBT card in, I think, the fall of, of 2019. Okay. But it won't affect farmers markets because our incredible New York State Department of Agriculture and Markets is working with um, the other partners in the state to keep the farmers market nutrition checks on paper, okay. at least for the time being, because they're such an important um, source of income for farmers markets and right. it works really well as it is. So, yeah, I think that, um, okay, so that's, that's helpful. So I, and I think it's like worth reiterating how it seems, how reliant farmers are on how like public assistance doesn't only help those on, you know, receiving the benefits, but there's this ripple effect throughout the economy and, and supply chain for, Absolutely. for the farmers, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, one uh, couple couple last points before we wrap up. But I want to talk about uh, immigration issues, which let's say has been dominating. Is that the right word? <laughs> dominating the public conversation in the past couple of months. Um, and you know, I wonder how these programs, how these conversations, like about public assistance programs, have um, have just sort of like. Seeped into the immigration debate, if if at all, um, Cheryl, can you tell us? Do you do uh, undocumented immigrants even qualify for SNAP? No, undocumented immigrants cannot um, receive SNAP. There's a pretty strict, um, pretty strict guidelines for receiving SNAP, and you have to prove all kinds of, you know, ba- a balance of your your income, your um, wealth, your expenses. Depending on the state, I think it varies by state. Mm-hmm. Um, but undocumented immigrants are not allowed to accept SNAP. But the children of immigrants, you know, if they are U.S. citizens, are eligible. Um, and this is an interesting thing that's coming up with the Trump administration because there's been some leaked memos that show that um, they may be introducing a rule that would basically make it much more difficult for an immigrant to um, to become, uh, I think it's if you want to receive a green card, it's going to be a lot more difficult mm-hmm. if you have received benefits in, in the past. Wow. Which SNAP has not been a part of that in the past. Yeah. Um, they've considered other kind of... Um, they call it a public charge, and they've they've considered other factors, but not SNAP, not nutrition benefits, because we want a healthy population. We want people who are eligible to be receiving SNAP. Right. And so there is some fear that um, there's going to be a chilling effect with, um, you know, immigrants who may not be here legally, who have U.S. citizen children, mm-hmm. um, that they may no longer apply for SNAP for their children because of their own fear of repercussions later. So I think it's definitely related and there's, you know, 
it could be really bad, not only for nutrition, you know, but more broadly, public health. Um, yeah, obviously has a big this has a big impact. All right. So, um, Leah, we st- at the beginning, you you mentioned there are some kind of um, remedies that have been proposed. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, you know what what those are? You mentioned New York State specifically. Um, the Cuomo administration has a proposal um, that they put forward. Uh, what does that What does that look like? You said it's not very clear right now. <laughs> sure. Well, it was just announced a couple of days ago, and the initial announcement uh, said that the New York State government and the Farmers Market Federation of New York uh, have reached an agreement with Novodia Group to allow the company to continue processing EBT at farmers markets um, across the state through the end of this farmers market season. And there wasn't a specific date assigned to that timeline. Um, but uh, so, and the announcement also said that the, the plan that they're working on, quote, lays the groundwork for other states in the District of Columbia to also um, remedy this issue. But specific uh, next steps haven't yet been announced. But it suggests that in New York State, at least to the end of the season, um, markets won't have to necessarily come up with a new solution if, if the proposal that um, the Cuomo administration announced is enacted. So this is just New York State. No other states have come up with anything similar. It was like like we were the first. As far as I know, yeah. And um, there was also this this the week prior to that, two weeks ago, there was an announcement from the National Association of Farmers Market and Nutrition Programs that they would fund Novodia Group's operations through uh, for another 30 days. So that would be through the end of August. And that would affect, that would keep markets across the country able to continue using their services through the end of August. Okay. So I just want to clarify a little bit because um, I think, I think that Leah said this, but in Cuomo's, um, I, I mean, I wouldn't call it a proposal because I think this was sort of like his announcement his that announcement, he will yeah. be funding yeah. sure. the operations through the end of the season. <laughs> and like, it, ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> and it will cover for all states. So oh, okay. every okay. Um, every market operator or direct market farmer who is using Novidia Group software will be able to continue using that through the end of this season. Okay, then you got to figure out some other solution. Yeah, so after. we, I mean, our hope is that you know, this a nonprofit consortium or individual nonprofit or a government agency will really invest and purchase this technology and just make it available as a public good. It's clear that, you know, Novidia Group wasn't able to make it work financially and that could be just the nature of providing a service to farmers market operators. Yeah. It's not a high paying government con- organization. Yeah. And yeah. it's not there there may not be the volume of buyers that you know, are required to like keep something like that going. But um, given the amount of people who are on snap in general, it seems like, I don't know, this seems like it was a, I mean, because it was farmers market specific, certainly I could see, you know, like very, very slim margins, but it seems mm-hmm. like there's so much opportunity kind of around this program. I if I was putting my kind of private sector hat on. Yeah, I um, agree. So interesting. What about, um, um, Leah, do you think that this will be, well, first of all, Cheryl, has there been any like kind of lobbying or, I mean, does Grow My Seed do any of that work? Like who have you been, um, talking to in, to try and move the needle on this issue? We have been working with, I mean, as soon as this was kind of made the press, probably, you know, the first article was the Washington Post article that Leah worked on. Yeah. Um, Congratulations on your first byline, by the way, Leah. Very cool. (laughs) On the Washington Post. Very cool. Thank you. (laughs) Um, We 
we just were, I mean, we reached out and were approached by dozens of um, elected officials, nonprofit partners, groups that work on hunger and food. And it was actually super heartening to hear from so many partners that care about this issue, whether or not they work in farmers markets at all, but just, you know, really wanting to um, show their support for the work that Grow NYC has done to make um, farmers markets accessible for every shopper in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really incredible. We, you know, we've we've spoken with, um, you know, lots of elected officials on the state and local level, um, and federal level, and um, there's also kind of a national group that's kind of been organized around this issue mm-hmm. through the Farmers Market Coalition, mm-hmm. um, who's done amazing work on this. Been Ben Feldman is their policy person. He's incredible. And the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition has also yeah. been part of They're this. They're great. They yeah. are also They're an really amazing great. resource. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have been speaking a lot with a lot of different groups around the country and within our city that, you know, run markets um, in trying to figure this out. And I think, you know, this, is, this has been a great solution, and we're very grateful to Governor Cuomo, who has... Um, you know, really always been a great supporter of of agriculture and food access, you know, both ends of kind of that, that spectrum. So, um, you know, we're really, really thankful that he's done this and he's been a supporter of Grown YCs for a long time as well. That's awesome. Um, Okay, Leah, any, any, will this issue in your crystal ball be addressed in the upcoming farm bill reauthorization? Like, can you give us kind of a quick pulse check on where we are? Um, with the farm bill process, maybe like legislatively speaking, and um, whether or not you think that this will be included in, uh, you know, like up, I mean, upcoming drafts or conversations. Sure. So we're at the stage of the process where the Senate version of the farm bill and the House version of the farm bill are going into conference, which means the two versions need to be reconciled. And um, sort of the biggest uh, sticking point issue, as we talked about earlier, is the work requirements for SNAP. Um, and it's it's been pretty um, a pretty nasty process between <laughs> the different parties and mostly in the House, although it's been sort of contentious across the board. And so um, I think most of the energy will be focused on keeping um, well, we'll be focused on passing a bill that retains the SNAP program uh, to the degree that it exists now and avoids future cuts, as is often the case in farm bill renewal processes and um, this program, uh, I haven't heard it talked about in farm bill debates in the past, although it might have a higher profile now. And there is a possibility that the farm bill could be a place to adjust some of the ways that the program is implemented. So it'll be interesting to see if it does sort of rise to the level. Um, but it would be hard to break through the conversation that exists now about um, the sort of most politicized issues, which are the SNAP work requirements and, and also conservation and crop subsidy programs on sort of the farm side of the farm bill. All right. Okay. Well, ladies, we are going to have to leave it there, but I want to thank you both so much for coming on and talking about this really important uh, and timely issue with me. Thank you so much, Jenna. This was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Okay. um, Before we wrap up, I want to uh, remind everybody that there are two days left for our summer fun drive. We are really pushing to um, raise $20,000, $20,000, so we implore you to invite um, all of your friends, family, everybody you know to become HRN members, if you aren't, of course, already a member. 
Um, all right, big thanks to our show sponsors for their generous support, for their generous support as always. And I always want, also want to thank um, our engineer today, the wonderful David Tadashore. It's been way too long, David, stepping in today. Uh, for Matt Peterson. Um, show music is by Tim Archer. All episodes of Eating Matters are available on the Heritage Radio Network website or as a podcast, wherever you find your podcast. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe, leave me a comment, let me know what you think. I'm Jenna Liute, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. There was nothing to say.